You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, I'm Giancarlo Esposito, and I'm here to introduce you to my new series, Parish. My character, Gray Parish, was a getaway driver. I'm retired from life, you know that. He's in a world over his head. Tell me about this driver job. And he's asked to start to figure things out. I did what you told me to. He will try to do what's right, and seek justice. Parish, all new Sundays at 9 on AMC and stream on AMC+. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. The Reverend Donna Scopper spends most days doing what any pastor does. She baptizes, she marries, she gives last rites. But she's famous for her more worldly work. Scopper is one of the most prominent members of the so-called religious left. Churches are in the business of sinners. That's her on Fox News arguing with Bill O'Reilly. That's that's ridiculous. We. I'm just asking. She brings God fearlessly into the public sphere to counter religious conservatives. With messengers like them, she says, no wonder non-believers are the fastest-growing segment of American society. Scopper believes that the Christian God is not punishmentalist. She believes that Christian salvation is a joyous and universal liberation. And she came of age at the height of 1960s radicalism. So she takes that liberation to the streets. She was trained by Saul Alinsky and has been arrested for civil disobedience. So, of course, her church, Judson Memorial in Greenwich Village, welcomes sex workers, militant atheists, LGBT folk, and the undocumented, and not just for worship. It is a church plus. It's a church of around 300 people who worship every Sunday in fairly traditional ways. And it's also a place where about 2,200 people from the community come through a week, mostly undocumented people right now. A lot of sex workers, Extinction Rebellion is meeting in the basement, Occupy moved in for a couple of years. It's that kind of place. It's like the we work of the radical left. Yes. And we try to throw them out as quickly as possible. You, uh, do you? Yes, because we want to make room for the new and the next. That's our job. I wonder if you have a fear. I mean, I wonder if you are the feds across the park <laughs> over by the restrooms there in the little building? They were for a while. Really? And we spotted them and they stopped. 
Our executive director uh, and really the founder of the sanctuary movement in this era is a man named Ravi Ragbir, who has a case in federal court uh, because they've been harassing him forever. And they also picked up another man who was a leader, Gene Montreville, and deported him because they punish you for being an activist today. That's what it's come to mm-hmm. under this administration. Well, before we get to the, the path you were on that led you to this kind of work, when you took over Judson, that was 2005? Mm-hmm. And were you in New York for several years prior to that, or you arrived in New York right no, around No, no, I was in Miami before that, in a, a, a Judson kind of church in Miami. And how would you describe the people who came to these facilities? Um, Always the outsiders, always people who were uncertain about religion, uncertain about God, but had a strong sense of righteousness and spirit and wanted to make something happen. They weren't fooling around, and they knew they needed to be in community to do it. They needed... I call it spiritual nurture for public capacity. There's just something that they're seeking. And our congregation is uh, probably a third agnostic, a third atheist, and a third recovering Baptists. Uh, (laughs) You know, people who know the hymns, know the prayers, love it, you know, need to go to church on Sunday, but really, mm, no, they don't really buy it. So I have to be very careful with God talk. Um, It's become dropping the G-bomb, I call it sometimes, (sighs) because... Everybody on the left is allergic to religion. Everybody on the left is allergic to God language. Do you think that's sad? I think it's stupid. Um, It's different than sad. It's a form of ignorance and prejudice. The left is not immune to ignorance and prejudice. Right. Unfortunately. Oh, yeah, no, I've I've experienced that myself. (laughs) Now, what was your childhood like in that way? Mm, My childhood was uh, with the warm fundamentalists, the Missouri Synod Lutherans, and I got God. You were in Kingston, New York, correct? Yes. Right. I got God through Pastor Witty. I think I was six. My father was beating up my mother. And I called Pastor Witty, and he came in his black cassock. And he said, Donald, stop that. Don't do it anymore. Yep. So when I saw Pastor Witty show up, I said, I'm going to dedicate my life to keeping little girls safe. And I started baptizing my dolls. I started giving them communion. And both of my uh, grandmothers said, Donna, stop that. You can't be a pastor. It's only for boys. And I said, oh, no. (laughs) No way. Not if it's true. Not if it's good. Right? So I fought my way into it. What did your father do for a living? He was a custodian in a garment factory. How many kids in the family? Three. I'm the oldest, and then my sister's three years younger, and my baby brother wasn't born when this happened. Right. Oh, so they stayed together after they had another kid. They stayed together <laughs> until she finally walked out on him um, after my begging her to do it. What's the path from baptizing your dolls to becoming—you go to, you, you went to college in— Gettysburg, in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Nice Lutheran college. You know, feminism was just coming on, and I basically— It's such a long story, but I got a scholarship to go to the University of Chicago Divinity School because my then-husband, Bob Scopper, was avoiding the draft by getting a Rockefeller Fellowship to go to seminary. That was one of the ways you could do it. Mm -hmm. And I called up the school and said, you know, I'm the one who ought to be going here, not him. Why don't you let me come too? And they had just hired the first woman professor 
and her one of the conditions of her uh, employment uh, at this prestigious place was to say, I need three scholarships for three women. There are no women in this class. So they put me through to a woman named Peggy Ann Way, and I got a scholarship. Bob dropped out in a year, uh, became very depressed by the moral dilemma he had faced because he knew he was... It wasn't quite right, but he also couldn't go to Vietnam. He had a very low number. Uh, I don't know if you remember that time, yeah, of course. but it's heavy for a lot of men. So I stuck. And then the Lutherans said, we don't ordain women. Are you crazy? And I said, well, no, I'm not. And they kept sending me back to seminary to get more courses in Luther because they didn't know how to say the real issue is that we don't ordain women. So... There was a big synod out in Minneapolis, and I and two other women, who were the first three prepared to be ordained by the Lutherans, ended up on the front page of the paper, um, and we were all then banished. <laughs> they did ordain women, but they weren't going to ordain us because we were troublemakers. So I had to switch to another denomination, the United Church of Christ, where mm. I've been very happy. And you were ordained when? 1973 in Tucson, Arizona. And they wouldn't allow the nuns who were parts of my friends. You know, ordination is a ceremony of laying on of hands. Mm -hmm. And I was appalled at the notion of all those men, me kneeling down and them laying hands on, mm -hmm. that I requested that my nuns' women's group be allowed to also lay on hands. And the association, the denomination, said no. So we all bought pink underwear and wore them to the ordination. And when it was time for the laying on of hands, all the nuns came up, moved right to the front, and laid on hands. There wasn't anything they could do about it. Mm -hmm. Judson had a mass that's Catholic mass said by self-ordained women, women priests, correct? At Judson. We have, we have five different congregations worshiping in the building. What are they? Um, well, there's a thing called Lab Shul, which is an experimental Jewish congregation. St. Praxedas, which is the Roman Catholic women um, who self-ordained, who worship. Another is a Restoration Temple, which is a queer people of color congregation, which is very evangelical. Us, and then we had an organization called the Muslim Community Network for a while. What's the one you have, Mass for Sex Workers, you told me about? Yes, we do that, and they're also for opioid users, but they're episodic. They're not congregational. So the mass for sex workers, are they people that what they're seeking is privacy? They want to be able to have confidentiality when they... They wanted probably more space to organize than mm -hmm. to pray, mm -hmm. uh, but we uh, had Stormy Daniels people in a while back, which was really fun. Uh, she didn't come, but she sent things. We had Pleasure Sunday a while back. You know, we're trying to be on the edge and not be conceited about it. Mm -hmm. It wants to find the people who are outside of religion and have them tell us who God is. Right. We live in a time now, I never hear anybody talk about God. I know. I never hear anybody talk about faith when you're at a dinner conversation. No, I don't need that to be some, uh, you know obvious thing or very right. uh, or, or, or very uh, um, I hear you yeah I mean but it's like you never hear politicians talk about peace anymore mm -hmm. and I never hear people talk about God anymore and yet I talk to God constantly mm -hmm. most people do 
constantly. I mean, in my head, I'm sitting there going, please let me get this right. Please, not about give me something that I want. Please let me just get through this without any problems. Mm-hmm. Calm me down. Slow me down. Slow me down. Focus me. Mm-hmm. I would sit there. I wrote this in this book I wrote about my, I wrote a book that was basically a, a screed against the California family law system when I was going through my custody battle for my older daughter. I remember I would sit on a, in a plane and I'd lean my head against a window and I would say, please let this trip with my daughter be pleasant. I don't want anything. The idea was I would just lean my head on a window of an airplane and say, please just let this weekend go well. Mm-hmm. Everybody just is happy. I said, let this weekend be normal. I wrote that in the book. Mm-hmm. Not that we're going to go have like some fizzy mm-hmm. entertainment. Let it just be normal. We all just get mm-hmm. along. Everybody's fairly happy. And every time I made that prayer, it happened. <laughs> nice. Mm-hmm. I guess because I was requesting something that was in line with what some other power <laughs> wanted me to have in my well, life. In line with the power's intention. Right, yeah. right. In your lifetime, what do you attribute the, I mean, beyond, you know, scandals for the Catholics and so forth, because I know that their numbers are going down dramatically. What do you attribute it to which have led us to this godless society we live in now? So it's a really good question, and the sex scandals do matter right. tremendously. Yes. Uh, even though there's an ancient heresy that says the bread is good, even if the giver is not, just because the priest is a bastard doesn't mean religion is wrong. Right. It's important, uh, very important, uh, and it's been well thought out for centuries. But that being said, I think, I think the evangelicals have given God a very bad name. And it's a, it's the way they are, I call it punishmentalism. Right, right. The punishing God. The punishing God. So they've got God wrong in a very fundamental way. And so people just, they're getting blamed and shamed enough at work, at school. They don't need a God who's like that. So the good news is God isn't like that. Um, I just did a sermon uh, out in Orient last weekend about the difference between sweetbread and sage. So sage is this thing that lots of people have in their houses, and it's an ancient native custom of dispelling the bad spirits. So people will move into a new house, or they'll go to AA, and they'll dispel the bad spirits that are driving them crazy. Sweetbread is an also an ancient uh, ritual, simple household ritual, of bringing in good energy. I'm on the side of religion that calls up the positive energy, not the kind that dispels the bad energy. So no sage, all sweet bread for me. Interesting you say that. Do all the organized religions in the world have something that you admire and respect? Well, uh, when I pray in public, which I often do, I say... um, God, you whom some call Jesus and others call Christ, you whom some call Allah and others call breath, you beyond the captivity of any human name or force, draw near and bless us on our way to finding some piece of you today. And I really mean that prayer. Uh, We're struggling for our lives as movements. Um, I have uh, founded this little organization in New York called Bricks and Mortals, which is about changing up the sacred sites so that they can be more useful. And it means remove the pews from your head, your spiritual head first. 
and get, hmm. get over being right about God. So I'm married to a Jew. I have three kids who practice Judaism. Your children are Jewish? Yes. My son is married to a rabbi. He walks around Brooklyn wearing a T-shirt that he had made, and it says, My mother is a minister. My wife's a rabbi. Get over it. There was never any discussion of them coming to your side of the aisle, so to speak. Warren and I decided that the first seven years they'd get immersed in Christianity, and the next seven years they'd get immersed in Judaism. Um, so they were actually, when my mother left my father, we were talking about her before, it was at my twins' bar mitzvahs, bar and bat mitzvah. And my father went into one of his fits and said, I don't want to be around all those rich Jews. And she said, I don't want to be married to a bigot anymore. And she walked, and she never went back. Now, I said that when I went through the darkest parts of my child custody with my daughter, mm-hmm. I said, I'm just going to go into the woods in Massachusetts. I'm going to drive up to the Berkshires and hike into the woods and just blow my brains out. And that's it. Nobody will find me for at least a couple of weeks. And I wanted to come back from this horrible depression that I had. Mm-hmm. And... um Mm-hmm. I will sit with my priest, who's a dear friend of mine, uh, older man. He's 93 now, and he's one of three or four men over the years who's kept me mm-hmm. coming back Thank to God. pray and to ask for the strength to uh, uh, deal with this and this. Because going back to church, going back to sit with these men and talk to them privately, we'd have meals, I'd bring food over to the place, and we'd sit down and have lunch out here. And all of them don't see the change that I see coming for the church, a dying Catholic church. Mm-hmm. And I want to focus only on Catholicism here. Mm-hmm. I said to them, you do see married clergy coming. And they said, oh, yes, it's, 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 it's not, uh, you know, what Christ wanted. He wanted celibacy. But we're realizing, you know, whatever their words were about mm-hmm. the impracticality of that. Mm-hmm. Then I said... And if you saw like a gunshot, their reaction to this, I said, now, what about women clear? Before I even finished the phrase, they went, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. Right. I mean, they shot that down <laughs> so fast. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Why? <laughs> it's just, um, so I wrote a book about this called I Heart You, Francis, Love Letters from a Reluctant Admirer. And I got a, I got a letter back from him. And in the book... I argued, because I was totally Twitterpated with this guy when he first came in. I just I fell in love with him, so I decided to write him love letters. And, and I said, your own beautiful internal logic about Mother Earth and ecology. I think he's the smartest ecological environmental thinker we have. And his entire thing is, let's resacralize all of the Earth. So, and when we resacralize it, we won't be able to pollute it the way we do. And I think that's true. I really do. So I said, your own internal arguments are certainly going to lead you to ordain women, have married priests, ordain gay people, and be so much less punishing in, and mm. rigid in your point of view. And <laughs> none of that happened. And all of my Catholic friends said, Donna, that's the craziest book you've ever written. It's really, really naive. What happened to you? You stupid or something? And I said, no, I actually believe it. And I still believe it. So as long as the Catholics think no, no, no about ordaining women, I think they have missed the Jesus boat 
so far mm-hmm. that they're just not going to make sense to people. And that's a real shame. Uh. United Church of Christ Minister Donna Scopper. Another Here's the Thing guest who wrestles with questions of faith is Lawrence Wright. He writes about the darker side of religion for The New Yorker magazine and in his book Going Clear, in which he documents the Church of Scientology's efforts to convert young actors in Hollywood. Your friends are going off, they're going to get law degrees and stuff like that, and you are out in, you know, Hollywood eating dog food, hoping to be a movie star. There's a sense of inadequacy. Along comes Scientology, which says, you'll learn the secrets of the universe and you'll acquire superhuman (laughs) powers. And if you're a young actor standing out in central casting, they'll be passing out brochures saying how to get an agent, how to get ahead in the business, come to the Celebrity Center. Lawrence Wright discusses his other stories in our archive at heresthething.org. Donna Scopper returns in a moment. Mother's Day is coming, and Mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get Mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get Mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The Reverend Donna Scopper of Judson Memorial Church in New York comes by her radical activism honestly. She studied with the great rabble-rouser Saul Alinsky, who got wind of Scopper while she was sort of attending the University of Chicago Divinity School. The first day we went to class, we all just said it was BS and went on strike. So we came up with this song about... Uh, to Alice's restaurant and camped out in the chapel and said, you can bullshit any time you feel if the smell don't make you real. 
And Saul was right around the corner and came and helped us organize it. And there was a mass graduate student uh, sort of walkout. It was really, really interesting and kind of adolescent and embarrassing. Um, And Saul started teaching us. And I was really excited about organizing and really cut my teeth on the south side of Chicago with him for about a year. And then I realized that he was really sexist in his understanding of power. Today we would call it instrumental. You know, hurt those guys, uh, make an enemy, kill them. How do you get power? You, you wait for the people in power, all of whom are bad and evil, to make a mistake, and then you jump Got on. them. Yeah. I got them. And so it was just so masculine. So I wrote this paper in which I pointed out that I don't think women would organize that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, nor did I think Christians would organize that way. Jesus is the one who, he refused to have an enemy, even though he called out power all the time. I mean, it's a beautifully hard dance, you know, because you can make more change if you can declare an enemy. You can really get very far. Mm -hmm. But when you're there and you're ministering, Mm -hmm. how do you get them to refuse to make an enemy? Because when you drop your guard, you feel like a chump. I'm I'm in a lot of trouble right now for saying to the Me Too movement that I just don't think we can demonize people. Mm-hmm. People just get angry about it and won't yeah. talk believe to the it. victim regardless. Just believe the victim. Start with that. And I I can even believe the victim, but mm-hmm. I still want to know what's going to happen right. to the person right. over there. You know what happens to the rest of your life. You can't say that you're for decarceration and then throw the book at other people. You just can't mm-hmm. do it that way. And mm-hmm. I'm totally opposed to... Right. Decarceration, except for that group over it there. It just drives me crazy. But the larger way I do it in Greenwich Village is... So we get a lot of funerals and a lot of weddings. Fewer baptisms these days, uh, but a lot of funerals. And so some stranger will walk in the door of Judson twice a week and say, my downstairs neighbor died. I called everybody in her address book. I don't know. Nobody's answering. There are a lot of people like that still in the village. And we say, of course, we'll do a service. And then 10 people from the building show up and the doorman and the housekeeper, you know. But usually the person who is the chief mourner will say, by the way, no mention of God. And I'll get a big fat smile on my face and say, I'll try. Right? And because I, I have to agree to the terms, you know. But then when we get into the service, I'll say, now, I've been asked not to mention God, so I'm not going to overdo it. But um, Suzanne is in the hands of whatever is almighty, whatever is good, whatever is beautiful, whatever is true. And her life mattered. Mm-hmm. In other words, try to reinsert God language or Jesus has been so polluted by the evangelicals mm-hmm. that it's hard mm-hmm. to go Christ. I'll say Jesus all the time, but I probably won't say Christ because Christ has a kind of imperial feel to people. Mm-hmm. And in fact, that's what it means biblically. It's a way to be invitational. I want to be as invitational as possible. 
And I want to make people as spiritually comfortable as possible so that they don't have to be apologetic about being a Christian. So I'm so tired of people at Judson and elsewhere saying, well, you know, I'm a Christian, but I'm not that kind of Christian. I don't want to have to say that anymore. I want to create a world in which people who are full of hate and bile are not Christians, period. They have nothing to do with Jesus. So let's say the uh, sex workers come and have their service. Do you find that people who are going to these, whatever the congregants, whatever their DNA, do they have that kind of self-examination? Is that a part of what they're doing? Yes, they do, for the most part. And that's because they're really human. And the safer the human is, the more likely the human is to confess his or her sin. And sin is missing the mark of our true humanity. Mm. It's missing... Uh, it's not being close to the ultimate, to God. Uh, it's distance from God. Sin is not specific things so much as your whole attitude and your whole way of being and whether you're making yourself stronger to be more loving. Because love is very hard. Is it becoming harder to love in the world we live in? Well, of course it is because yeah. we've banned God. See, there's this great article Oh, not to get off the sex workers. I think they are as accountable as any other group of human being. I really do. They get it, what they're doing. I mean, some people who work at Walmart are really worried about selling guns. Some people who work in a fast food place think, my God, I'm a great singer and I'm working in a fast food place. What is it with me? A lot of my preaching friends say, I gave another crappy sermon on Sunday. What's with me? You know, why am I not doing my best. But it's not, it's not the act, the habitual act of this or that or the crummy job. There are a lot of people with crummy jobs. And, and uh, there's a Korean notion of sin, which is the word is Han, H-A-N. And it actually comes through Reinhold Niebuhr, too, who thought the big sin was pride. Mm-mm. The big sin is what he calls um, indifference. I can't believe you just said that. I said to my priest, my former priest who died from the Bellrose Queens school, the, the old Catholic boys from Queens. You know, we had this very heavy New York accent like this. Mm-hmm. And I said, I want to sit down with you and do reconciliation. I'm going to do the modern Catholic confession. Mm-hmm. He goes, What? I said, yeah, I want to sit down with you. I've got a lot of things I want to talk about that are mm-hmm. really eating at me, and I feel bad. Mm-hmm. He goes, you want to sit down and do all of that <laughs> in a room and tell me every horrible thing you've been doing lately? He goes, oh, please. He goes, are you sorry? Are you sorry for what you did? I go, yes. He goes, all right, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you're absolved. Okay, please. He goes, I can't stand that, <laughs> listening to those stories. And then we had lunch, and I said to him, People come to you, he goes, well, he goes, he says, everything's about sex. The man is having an affair with his secretary, and it's just sex. He's just fooling around. And the woman uh, is having sex with a tennis pro or her trainer, but she's fallen in love. She's in love. And he says, and I don't care about that. He goes, I'm from the Thomas Aquinas school. The sins of the flesh are the least of our concerns. He said, I want someone to come into this room and say, bless me, Father, for I have sinned. I have an abundance of pride, Mm -hmm. indifference. Mm -hmm. People have been told, stop caring. Mm -hmm. Caring is old. Caring is an old idea. It's too expensive. And 
This is why we get climate deniers, school shooters, ridiculous forms of government. I mean, I can't believe that Congress sits around every day, all day long, and does nothing about people whose medical bills are skyrocketing and they're going... I mean, it's just insane. So it's what you don't do. St. Paul said, um, uh, the good that I do not and the evil that I would not do, I do. And it's in that place. Um, The Korean word Han... It's not just indifference, it's also folly, lust. And they apply it to people who died in the Holocaust. This is very uncomfortable. But they'll say, why did the Jews who outnumbered the guards not rise up? And die fighting. And die fighting as opposed to the way they died. Now, I don't know how I really think about that. Because, okay, because I have a mother, I have a mother who stayed with an abusive man for 30 years. And when I finally got said to her, why, 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 why? She said, Donna, because we would have been in the poorhouse. I did it for you. Now shut Mm -hmm. up. And you get it. I get it. So it's not like we have all these choices to rebel or to foment revolution on a daily basis. But we do have responsibility when we don't, when we settle. And that, I think, is a form of sin, too. And, you know, one of the things that's going on for clergy right now, we used to call it rent-a-collar, and now with all these mass shootings, it's like rent-a-collar at the vigil. It's getting really hard. These Saturday events, you have to change up everything you're going to do, and then the mayor, of course, wants you to stand there and look like you're praying And these are all people who haven't been religiously prepared. I think it takes a whole life to become a Christian, and I hope I get there before I go. Uh, You don't just do it a little bit. You guide a lot of people through their final moments, correct? Yes. Mostly I do old-fashioned ministry, uh, hatching, matching, and dispatching. Weddings, funerals, baptisms. Uh, Hatching, matching, and dispatching. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you have never heard that? Well, they, yeah, they always <laughs> said that to me. That was my priest. He said, oh, he goes, I love that you come here. He said, I thought you'd be one of those A&P Catholics. I said, what that? He goes, ashes and palms, hatching, matching, dispatching. But when, when a congregant, yeah. you're told, is going gonna, is gonna to cross over mm-hmm. and you go there, I'm assuming that many times they're not lucid, they're not conscious. No, but the people around them are. What do you want them to know? Uh, that they're going to be okay, that the the survivors are going to be okay, even if it's a husband or a wife or a partner, they're going to be okay, even without Big the role person. of the church over throughout time was to Comfort. let people have a place to go. It still matters a lot, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I have a beautiful woman in my congregation, um... She was the first chair of the board when I got to Judson, and she and her husband were so close, just the two of them. They were just happy together. They didn't have children. She has a beautiful garden in Brooklyn. They were redoing this brownstone, these great New Yorkers. Anyway, he died, and uh, his whole dying was, is Mary going to be okay? What is, uh, what's going to yeah. happen to Mary? What's going to happen to Mary? And she was just lost, Without him. It's like this guy that was killed in the shooting. Yes. Who held his father in his arms and the father 
Right. Was Kapsowski, right. if he was okay. Right. That last impulse, that last right. breath of life, yeah. is an outwardly directed breath. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a miracle? It is. It is a miracle because you really are less self-obsessed than than ever. People know they're dying. You know, my mom just died this year, and she. Kept... Were, you, were you there for her to minister to her? No, my sister was, and I wasn't. She died in her sleep at ninety-four, oh, peacefully. But she's been saying for two years, you know, I'm ready, Donna. Don't get all uptight, you know. I said, well, you can be ready, but maybe I'm not ready. You know, so that's the the difference. What do you think happens to us when we die? Oh, I think we all go to heaven. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's fantastic. What do you think happens when you die? Oh, I got it down. (laughs) Fascinating. Yes. Um, The... uh, um, My last question for you, you've been a minister in several different congregations, seven if I'm not Mm -hmm. mistaken. Mm -hmm. Give me one or two of the most fundamental changes for you over time. Hmm. Boy, I wish I could say I had changed more. (laughs) uh, It's all pretty basic. Um, I think... Probably social media and the internet has changed some of the way we do pastoral care. I used to always visit in people's homes and, uh, you know, and had kind of a, 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 a circuit. You know, you go this and you do yeah. that and you go there and you. And so I got to know lots and lots of old ladies uh, really well, which was wonderful. Um, people who are not afraid of dying. And then now we just had a baby born at Judson. And I said, uh, emailed, said, I'm going to come over, you know, say hi and see how you're doing because I'm concerned about the mother and the baby will be fine. But I know what happens to mothers. And she said, oh, my God, couldn't we just talk on the phone? And I thought, "Mm, okay. Interesting. (laughs) You know, so I miss the face-to-face. And, you know, I think that the world is more dangerous right now, and people are experiencing it as very dangerous. And I attribute that to the lack of acculturation of meaning, religion, in the best sense of the word. You know, not crappy religion, but being raised with a common set of values that are broad enough to include people and narrow enough to say, this matters. You know, you just don't, you don't go shooting people. You know, you don't, my rabbi friend in Miami, uh, we did a Good Friday and Passover together once when that guy came out with the Jesus Blood movie. Uh, what's his name? Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. When Mel Gibson did his movie, I, I called Rabbi Mitch Sheffitz, my dear friend now, and I said, we have to do something about this movie together, Coral Gables Congregational Church and Temple Israel. He said, no. <laughs> I said, well, thanks, Mitch, you know. And then a week later, he called me back and he said, we have to do something. So let's worship together on opening night of Passover and on Good Friday. You bring your cross into the temple, take it out, do exactly your service, and then we'll do exactly our service. And we'll show what religions mean. And it was beautiful because we were able to not 
turn Mel Gibson into, a, you know, a demon. A demon, but to do what we do, and and respect it. Certainly, there are fewer people coming to church or synagogue, but those who do are getting a really interesting experience. That's what I would say. Mm -hmm. It's not automatic. You choose it. So there was this guy on the subway two days ago, and it's 8 o'clock in the morning, and he walks in with a giant Carvel ice cream cake. You know what they are. You of know? course. And it's melting. And he's got spoons. I'm from Massapequa. You asked me what a Carvel <laughs> cake is? Come on. Fudgy the whale. <laughs> Fudgy the whale. He's got tats all over. He's got a backpack. He looks like a estranged hipster. It's at 42nd Street. He gets on with the cake. And he yells out to the whole car, it's my birthday. And does anybody want to have some cake with me? And everybody looks like, no. Yeah. <laughs> then pass. all of a sudden, a couple people say, what the hell? <laughs> Start eating it. So then people all gathered around the cake, eating this cake. <laughs> and he's laughing his head off. And he says, this is how I wanted to celebrate my birthday. I wanted to have a Eucharist with you. And this I, is my body. This is my body. Fudgy the whale. <laughs> it's my body. <laughs> Fudgy the whale. Donna Scopper on social justice, salvation, and Carvel. You can find her delivering the good news at 11 every Sunday morning at Judson Memorial Church in New York City or at a protest near you. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. 
If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds.